Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode number 549. And tonight, now, this is a Raspberry Pi 3 Model B. This, on the other hand, is a Raspberry Pi 3 Model B+. We're going to be showing you that. We're going to be getting it out of the box because we time travel a little bit here tonight because we don't believe in continuity. <laughs> also, what do you got coming up? Well, I know that we're going to have a good old conversation about Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you been thinking about maybe dropping I Facebook? I am deleting my Facebook. What about you? Stick around. We're going to be talking all about it. This is Category 5 Technology TV. are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. And for local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, cat5.tv slash IAIB. Hi, Sasha. Hi, Robbie. Hi, you. Nice to have you here. Uh, we've got a jam-packed, exciting show for you this week. Before we get into it, uh, first of all, Category 5 TV t-shirts and sweatshirts are still available. Awesome. Oh, yeah. It's a limited time offering from Teespring. Uh, head on over to cat5.tv slash shirts, and you'll be able to not only get your hands on a limited edition Category 5 shirt, but um, also you'll be supporting the shows that we produce here at, at Category 5 TV Network. So you've got I a have couple a, of these shirts. I've got a couple of shirts. I have the, I have the sweatshirt. And I have another, like I have the T-shirt. These are from our run like four years ago. Yes, I know. I should probably get more shirts, but 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 they're they're still in they're good shape. Still they're in great they're shape. well made. They're good I quality. Know. They don't fade. It. They don't crack. I know. Something to be said about that. They're not like iron-ons. These are like silk screen These shirts. Are, they're really really good quality. I like shirts. the sweatshirt. The, or the sweater, the hoodie? Yeah, the hoodie. Uh, is really warm. I've, mm-hmm. I've got other sweatshirts that are just like a little thin and not very comfortable, but this is one that you definitely want to get your hands on. I have one of those ridiculous family photos where it's like me in the center just because my, I'm the shortest. My mom liked it on Facebook. Okay. And, and I have the Cat 5 like shirt on. She's like, yeah, Robbie's show. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. It's just, it, it was a family barbecue. It's yeah. a really comfortable hoodie. Yeah. So I wore it and then we got this family shot yeah. and I'm in the center so it actually looks like it's an ad this is like our behind the scenes team <laughs> or something the like worst. that thanks um, to my parents yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you would like to send us a picture of you yourself or whoever it is that you buy one of these shirts for uh, wearing the shirt then we will post it on the air you'll see it live on the show it's your your 10 seconds of fame Yes. And we will be very appreciative as well. We will absolutely mm-hmm. be appreciative. Now, we also have for you some more Dead Effect 2 VR copies. Nice. So, VR is getting huge. Huge. Oh, my goodness. I know. I have so fun. questions later about VR. But, mm-hmm. okay. So, in order to win your copy, you just need to email us. So, email at, to contest at category5.tv. And let us know how you're watching. So be it the cable TV station you're watching on, Roku, YouTube, Facebook, uh, however you're watching. Let us know. Tell us who you are. 
maybe your alias and your name. I don't know. <laughs> we want to know who you are, where yeah, you're from. Exactly. And we'll send you a game. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, it's throw VR. those in too. It's virtual reality. It's amazing. It's crazy. You you got to have like a headset and everything to, to play this thing. You are in it. And it's a Steam distribution, so we just send you the Steam coupon and you download it and install it on your computer and it's dreamy. Give you nightmares. <laughs> so yeah, win one of those. Mm-hmm, Do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> World Backup Day. Yes, that's this Saturday. Can you believe? It's here upon us already. March 31st every year is the year that we geeks celebrate your need to backup. Perhaps there should be like backup day a month, but World Backup Day once Maybe a year. Maybe you yeah. personally should have backup day once a week. Maybe. Okay, but, yeah. Uh, but definitely a, a, a day to remind you. It's like you've got to change the batteries in your fire detector, your smoke alarms, and right, your carbon exactly. monoxide detectors. You do that when you the clock goes forward and back. Right. Right. Yes. Um, I also flip the mattress of my like in my bedroom. Well, there you go. You do that. So you know. we change the alarm batteries. We flip the mattress. Exactly. I've got a pillow top, so I'm stuck. I'll I'll rotate it. How's that? Okay. Yeah. Twice um, a year. That's yeah, good. Perfect. Uh, and uh, and we're also going to make sure our backups are working. Exactly. Don't just back up twice a year. But make sure twice a year that your backups are working. <laughs> I moved everything off of my laptop onto a USB flash drive. That is my backup. And that is very common. Now, some of you are saying, oh, are you focusing on me here? Because I'm, you know that I did that. I, I know a lot of folks who have done that, okay? So it's our responsibility to educate you as to what a real backup is. Right. So a couple of things that we need to think about how you're backing up, how often you're backing up, how many copies of your files exist, what's going to happen if, say, the worst happens, your house burns down right. and all your computers are destroyed, what's going to happen to your data and what is going to be right. lost. And or, also, here's something that a lot of people don't think about, Sasha. Mm-hmm. What is the process going to be like if I ever have to restore from my backup? Good question. Yeah. And it is a very good question because a lot, even companies will have exceptional backup systems in place and then not have the security to protect them against ransomware. Then ransomware hits and they're down for weeks. Right. And thousands upon thousands of dollars in IT hours. And so we've got to take that approach. Okay, so first of all, how are you backing up? Can I ask you personally? Can I ask you? Can it be a rhetorical question? Is it weird that I don't? I assume that. Okay. Okay. So Whew. where Here's is my your assumption. Da- where is your data? That's maybe that's the first know. question. Here's the thing. Okay, this is going to sound horrible. This is not a good start. This is not a good start. Okay, I know the importance day. of I know the importance of backing up, but I also know who I am, and how I survive in this world this is generally on your intelligence and capability. So it's am my I, responsibility. Am I, now. Okay, so my question is: How did to you, this become about me? Am I backing up? Okay, so every week <laughs> I'm going to say, Sasha, have you backed up this week? <laughs> where is have, your data? Think about that. Where are where are the things that mean the most to you? I have just some, real quick. First thing I that think, comes to mind. I think I, Google, Google, Google Cloud. What are you talking I think, about? I where's know. Google? Where? Where's I don't know. Google? No, is it Do your I, phone? My phone does a backup thing. It does a backup thing. It Let's does. go to the last question, which is how onerous is it to get the files back should you have a crash? Just these are some of these are rhetorical questions just so that it makes you think. I Okay. Where is your data? It is on my on Dave's computer. Okay. Yes, and on my phone. The same data? 
Some of the same data? Some of. Okay. Not, I don't, okay. So he backs up, he backs up some very important files. Mm -hmm. This is, he's better at this than I am. Sure. Okay. But he backs up to an external hard drive, but it's also still in the apartment. Okay. So that takes us to what if there was a fire, where is your data? Right. It is in the same place, the same same physical location as the original files. Now, if Mm -hmm. we were in the apartment at the time of the fire, than an we're external not make hard that drive, assumption. but but say say we were the, at mm-hmm. least the external hard drive is easy to get, so right? But mm-hmm. but we ought, we probably weren't there because definitely not. It, the no. fire was not our fault, so we were not there. No. <laughs> After setting the fire, you ran. That's right. Yeah. We couldn't take anything. <laughs> no. I would never burn my place down. So this is a question that you have yeah. to ask yourself. And, and that is a horrible scenario that we, we do not hope on any of you. But it's a good reality check for us to say, okay, where would my data be if this happened? What's, if the worst happened? What's my option? It's more about, it's not where should your data be or what, you know, what services should I subscribe to or what software should I use. It's more let's get into the mindset of understanding how a backup actually works. So a backup is never a backup unless there are multiple copies of the files that mean something to you. So if, for example, you've taken a bunch of photos and videos with your phone, all your family pictures and everything are on your phone, and then you transfer them onto your laptop because you want to back them up. Right. But then they're on your laptop and not your phone. That's not a backup. It's not a backup. That's a transfer. Okay. If they're on your computer and then you transfer them to an external hard drive and now they're only on the external hard drive, that's not a backup. Similarly, if you do have two copies, you've got one on the laptop and one on your external hard drive, but the external hard drive is plugged into that laptop 24-7 and sitting on the desk next to it. Also not a backup. Not a backup. Uh, That'll save you you from some cases. I can answer. I know what is not a backup. Yeah. More times than not, people move things off of their computers to free space. You'll buy an external hard drive or something, and you'll transfer all the files onto it, never thinking that this is now the lone copy, and it's a drive that could easily be tripped over, could mm-hmm. easily be dropped, and if it has spinning, if it's a spinning drive, like mm-hmm. a terabyte or two terabyte or three terabyte drive, is going to be a spinning drive. It's not a solid state drive. So when you move it, you can feel that centrifugal force as, as you move it. Have you ever had that feeling where yeah. if you pick up a moving hard, uh, a powered-on hard drive, it's moving? Mm-hmm. So that's a spinning hard drive. And if that ever got bumped while it's spinning, if it ever got dropped while it's spinning, you are going to be hard-pressed to get the data off of that drive because it's moving at 7,200 rotations per minute. And there's a little teeny-weeny needle that's floating on an air cushion just above the platter. Right. Okay. And there are actually several of these little needles. And they use magnetic sensors in order to read and write the data from the hard drive platters. And if they touch, if they so much as just touch that drive, 7,200 rotations per minute. Think about how fast that is. If it just touches, it's not going to just touch and then pop back and keep going hunky-dory. No, it's going to etch a big circle right yeah. into the platter surface of that hard drive, making I, it unreadable. I picture this like somebody walking with like two full cups of coffee, right? And trying not to spill those coffees. Like that's hard enough, right? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Sure. Okay. So this so is your data, this, folks. This, this is, is your data. data. So 
Like, so we have okay. to have multiple copies. I'd recommend that you always have an off-site copy. Now, yeah. if off-site, like through the internet, is not an option for you because that can be pricey, you've got to have storage mm-hmm. and you've got to have the bandwidth in order to do it, you can simply go get a consumer hard drive, get an external hard drive, copy the files to that hard drive and put it in a safety deposit box or take it to work and put it in your desk drawer and do that every single day week or month, depending on how much information you want to lose, should the worst ever happen. Always have at least two copies, maybe three, of everything that matters to you. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, Buy two of those drives and then you can just swap them back and forth and take one off-site and leave the other one at home. That's what you need to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any other quick questions for me as we move on? I think... I think it, I'm okay. All right. If, if I want to, I want to see next week. You're going to say I backed up everything that I have. I feel like, yeah, yes. Another common, <laughs> just a commonplace thing: USB flash drives plugged into a computer, moving the files onto it, they get broken. Somebody trips over the computer, drops the laptop, and breaks the USB port, and that happens more often than you than you want to think. Um, so definitely, you know, just make sure there are multiple copies. Okay, that is key. I want to hear from you. I want you to comment below. Let us know how you're backing up. What is your solution to this problem? Mm-hmm. And what would happen if where your data is was to burn down? Right. That's what we want to ask ourselves. That's what we want to know. And if this just quick little chat has helped you to realize that, hey, maybe I've got to do something different about my backups and you actually take action, please comment below, comment on our website, comment on our YouTube channel. Let us know uh, what, what it is that you've put into action mm-hmm. and how you're backing up. And if you have any questions or I'll, need advice, just let us know. I'll probably do what you're doing. <laughs> there you go. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at uh, the fact that the Raspberry Pi 3 B plus has come out. Mm-hmm. And the Raspberry Pi B plus um, is a step up from the original Raspberry Pi 3. Mm-hmm. So they've improved the performance. They've improved um, the, the uh, Wi-Fi. They've improved the Ethernet. They've generally improved the board. But what they didn't tell us developers is that it also requires some real software enhancements. So I've spent the last three days. So Monday was the first email that came in because, of course, everybody went out and bought a Raspberry Pi 3B+. Right. As soon as they were available on Amazon. And why wouldn't you? And why wouldn't you? And so Monday, the first email comes in saying, I can't get NEMS Linux to boot on my Raspberry Pi 3B+. <laughs> so I got on Amazon and ordered mine, mm-hmm. which arrived today, finally here. But the past three nights have been late nights of coding, patching, upgrading, updating, NEMS Linux and PlexPy. So both NEMS Linux and PlexPy are now compatible with the Raspberry Pi 3 Model B+. So for PlexPy, you need to download and install um, PlexPy 1.3. Mm-hmm. For NEMS Linux, it is uh, NEMS Linux 1.3.1. That is what you need. Okay. Incidentally, now I mentioned that the Raspberry Pi 3B Plus arrived today. Yes. So later on in the show, we're going to actually unbox it for you. We're going to take a quick look at how things have changed on the board. I've got a Raspberry Pi 3 Model B here as well so that we can see side-by-side comparison. And uh, we're going to show you that coming up later in the show. So don't go anywhere.
For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv slash shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv slash shirts. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 549. And we mentioned before the break, we're going to be looking at the Raspberry Pi 3 model B+. I'm excited to get into that, finally open it up and get in and, and check it out. But before we do that, of course, something has been huge in the news over the past week. Yes. Maybe week and a half. Yes. Facebook. Bookface, ladies and gentlemen. Bookface. And, uh, of course, you've all heard about what has happened with Facebook and, and the concerns that have been brought up. I know you're trying to... We, we multitask. We're doing chat room. We're, we're chatting on the air and everything. But Facebook and everything that has happened with Cambridge Analytica and re- yeah. realization that our information is not at all private right exactly so i don't know a lot about the details really in truth i do know that facebook has said that or we found out that facebook has another company that has taken our data and is storing it uh not not quite facebook but let's so let's look back at okay 2014 the api which is the application programming interface that allows apps to communicate with the facebook backend the data allowed apps to gain an astronomical amount of information about Mm -hmm. the user's accounts. But here's the problem. If I added the malicious app to my Facebook profile and authorized it to go ahead, it not only gave them access to my profile, but it also gave them access to all of my friends' profiles. And we're not talking just the public stuff. We're talking the private stuff. Okay. So mm-hmm. call it a glitch in the matrix or whatever you want to call it. But so, of course, Cambridge Analytica built a system to take advantage of that and leach all of this confidential information, which many are saying is uh, against the, you know, is, is probably against some kind of terms of use at the time, mm-hmm. uh, but certainly against moral code. Right. But the fact is, is that the back end was there and developed by Facebook and provided for them. It's like, okay, here, say to my seven-year-old, here's a bucket full of candy. Don't eat any. And then leave the room. Exactly. Yeah. So big news personally is Mm. that not just because of this, but for a lot of reasons, I'm breaking up with Facebook. What? Okay. So this is is scary. This takes me to my next comment. Yeah. Delete Facebook is the the movement that's happening on Twitter right Right. now. Hashtag delete Facebook. And I have to ask myself and I have to ask the community at large, why? Well, okay, so here's why for me. And it's okay. not about, it's actually, this has brought it back up for me. But the problem, I feel like Facebook to me is a bit too much of an addiction. Like I get up in the okay. morning. So that's a different and I, thing altogether right, than exactly, privacy. Exactly. Sure. But it's, it's, I guess it's conditioned me to the point where if I go to check my banking or go to check something mm-hmm. else, I'm actually like clicking the Facebook icon by default. So like everything is, is that. And I feel consumed by it. I feel like I'm checking it too often. I feel like I'm really close to the people I'm closest with anyway. Right. And the extra 
people, I feel as though, even though I love them, uh, there's a lot of emotions that happen because I'm checking my Facebook feed and I need not know about some of the things, you okay, know? Okay. It's, it's hard to explain, really, except that I don't need that news feed all of the time. I don't want to feel like I'm in this weird, toxic relationship with Mark Zuckerberg. I just, I'm, <laughs> it's strange Well, and to part me. of it is that, that yeah. you, your news feed is conditioned by the algorithms yeah. in order to manipulate your I emotions and everything else. So want to want it as much as I that's do. That's kind of tales. But yeah. looking at heads, the yeah. biggest thing that has arisen over the past couple of weeks is the fact that your data is not confidential. Now, mm-hmm. we've, you know, people who have used Facebook, and we've had this discussion in the past, people who have used Facebook think that they are the customer of Facebook, and they're not. The customer of Facebook are the data collection agencies that collect and aggregate data, that use that data for advertising purposes and to be able to promote their services and whatever else they want to promote, say, Mm -hmm. elections. Um, And uh, we're not the customer. We are the currency. We are our data, our our private information that we have chosen to post on Facebook is the transaction. That is what is their product. Right. So every time I post a picture, every time I post a message, every time I like something or click on an ad or click on a message, I am basically giving them more data about me. So now they can take that data, aggregate it using AI and machine learning and say, okay, this person likes these things and these are the things that we are going to market to you and we're going to sell this person. So I'm going to sell, so Facebook is going to sell Robbie Ferguson to Raspberry Pi, say. Not that they utilize the service, but services that I would click on and I would appreciate. Right. So they, that's what they do. Right. Makes sense? So I, I, I go back to my question, why? We know that we are not the customer. We are the product Mm -hmm. because we're using this service as a free service. And we all read the terms and conditions, right? No. We all scroll to the bottom. Let that one sink in. And, And so because we are the product, we have to be responsible about what we post, what we do mm-hmm. on that system because we are being watched and we are being uh, recorded. Like how much? Everything. Like everything. how much? Everything. Okay. Everything. You think your private chats are private? No. Okay. Okay. So Every should I be worried about Messenger if I'm worried about sure. Facebook? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's the same company, right? Right. And, the, and is, how much do you pay for Messenger? Nothing. Right. So what is the product? Me. You are the product. So there, you know, people say there is nothing free in this world. And I beg to differ. There are free things in this world. And there are, right. you know, you can subscribe to our RSS feed and download Category 5 TV and watch us offline. And by doing that, you are not seeing the advertisements that are monitoring your seeing those advertisements. You're not clicking on links that are associated with our show. But at the same time, then our bottom line starts to hurt because we do not have the en- enough revenue to keep doing the things that we do mm-hmm. for free. So that's where people support us on Patreon and people donate to the show and, and kind of offset that for us. And, and I think a lot of people are responsible that way where they say, you know what, I've blocked the ads on your website. I download the RSS 
feed right. as opposed to watching on YouTube, which monetizes. And so I also give every month through Patreon and that offsets it. Right. Right. So that's a responsibility. That, so we do have to realize that there are responsibilities as consumers that if we're going to use those truly free services that we do need to be responsible. But with Facebook as the, the product, mm-hmm. how can we tell what is being sold? Any idea? Like, how could you I, tell? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, unless they told me, but they're not going to. Yeah, right. 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 <laughs> right. So let's head on over. I'm going to show you a little trick here, Sasha and World. Um, So we're going to head to Facebook.com slash settings. Okay. Just as easy as that. Facebook.com slash settings. And from here, there are a couple of things that you can do. Of course, the, the big one that people are trying out these days is delete my account. So, okay. Or deactivate my account, I should say. Clever wording, Sasha. So... We'll get to this. Okay. Deactivating your account does not actually delete your data, does not actually remove you from Facebook at all. Okay. It just turns off your access. To yourself. And, yeah. Okay. But everything's still there, okay? Okay. So, but on that same page just below is download a copy of your Facebook data. Oh, okay. okay. And when you click on that, it asks you to... Click forward to, um, to compile that data into a zip file, and then you receive an email with the download link. And that allows you to now open up a bit of a repository-style collection of private information that is available on mm-hmm. Facebook. So when I did that, mm-hmm. now I'm not going to click on everything because there is some seriously private information here contact info and and all that kind of stuff but all my posts my videos even if they were privately sent my friends and i'm just going to change screens here just for a second just to make sure that they're not yeah so it's just a list of all my friends names and and of course with the old api the apps had access to all of these as well Okay. Is that friends and their birthdays or friends and when you became friends? When we became friends. Okay. Yeah, unless you were born in 2014. Which oh, am I on really there? really weird. Probably somewhere. Should we check? Do a quick search for oh, Sasha yeah. Rickman. So we've actually been friends since, on Bookface. Since 2012. August 23rd, 2012. There you are. So there's a, a huge amount of information there. Uh, let's go in. I've got private messages. So you, your yeah. Facebook Messenger the private messages that are available. Uh, And I'm purposefully hiding my screen when certain things are absolutely private. Sasha can see this and attest to it. I'll do a quick search for Sasha. And I've got conversations between you, me, and Billy. Uh, I've got conversations with you, me, and Carrie. I've got conversations with you, me, Kelsey, and Adam. These these were private conversations, remember? Sasha and Adam. Hillary, Krista, Sasha Lee, and two others. Wow. And so these are my private conversations that in Messenger I thought, hey, these are, these are private. And, and it's as easy as that to, to see. That's bananas. Pokes, events that I've been invited to, that I've gone to, all that kind of information. Security information, applications. Let's, let's look at um, ad topics. So this is what the AI thinks about me. I am interested in nature. In alkalinity. Now, I never clicked like on alkalinity. Alkalinity? No. No, it just, it 
has figured out that, hey, I like nature and alkalinity. It says you like sarcasm. I like sarcasm. So they know, hey, we're going to market to these people. The Gregory Brothers. Scholarship. I don't know. Music videos. Lindsey Sterling. This is crazy stuff you should know. Stuff you should know with uh, Josh and Chuck, the podcast. So these are not pages that I've liked. These are bits of information that Facebook, whose back end, has figured out that are to attribute to me as a person. Farms, science, software engineering, music, visual effects. Rodents? Rodents, nice. So all of these things. And then I've got ad history, all of the ads that I've clicked on. Oh. And it shows me what I've clicked on and when I clicked on it, what I was doing. And then here's... This is crazy. Something a little scary. Advertisers with your contact info. And I've got a list here of advertisers who I have no clue who they are. But they know you. They have my contact info. They've got my personal information that I thought was absolutely private. That's not okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. They may as well be Cambridge Analytica. Right. They're just third parties that I have no idea who they are. Best tabletop games crowdfunding videos. Obviously, I clicked on a video or something. Yeah. And that somehow gave them authority to have my personal contact information? I am creeped out. Okay. So go to facebook.com slash settings to see what kind of, uh, what kind of things are being shared about you and to whom and, and what information has been collected. Would it even be worthwhile for me to check that about me if I'm going to delete my Facebook? Yes, and do it because then it's a backup. Oh, okay. Right? So that's so the pictures are totally viewable if I do that zip file. Like you can see. Yeah. Because that's the thing about Facebook. Your pictures and the comments that have been attributed to them. Okay. Because that's the thing. I don't want to lose my pictures. And I don't yeah. want to lose uh, like the sentiments, right? Like a lot of my memories in the past eight years are on Facebook. But I also don't. so i i had somebody say to me well you know i've I've lost all my photos because i didn't back up how can i get all my photos from facebook because i post a lot of photos on facebook well here's an answer so it is a good feature that they allow you to do this Mm -hmm. to download all of your files including videos and pictures and everything else Um, but it's also a wake-up call for you to realize Hey, what is Facebook holding about me? How are they aggregating it? How are they determining to market me to the customer? And, uh, and, and what kind of information is there that could be accessed by these advertisers? Right. Now, you said I can't delete my account. You can. Okay. But it's, it's tricky. Okay. So if we wanted to... Now, I go back to why. Why do you want to do this when you know that you are the product? Okay, because the, nobody can really say, oh, I didn't know that Facebook had right. information about me. Oh, I didn't know that they shared this with third parties. Yeah, you kind of did. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's a, really a valid excuse whatsoever. I think that's that, not my reason. Though. Yeah, but if, if that so, just backing up to why and and making that decision. So deactivating your account is under manage account edit, and you'll see deactivate your account. Okay, and you can click on that, and it asks you for your password in order to do that. And then it says, oh, but Shelly's going to miss you. And Becca, my wife, is going to miss me because she only ever sees me on Facebook, right? I don't. I, uh... Jen from New Every Day is going to miss me. I, I'll message her about that. Would you miss me if I left Facebook? So here's something. Why do you, this is a required field. Why are you going to leave Facebook? Uh, this is temporary. I'll be back. My account was hacked. I don't feel safe on Facebook. So these are all valid points, right? Right. Um, but when you click on them, watch what happens. I have a privacy concern. That's, let's say that's my thing. Oh, well, wait a second. Please remember that you can always control your information. Learn more. Let us know. Blah, blah, blah. Give uh-huh. feedback. Right? So they've set it up as a way to mark it back to you and say, oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't leave. Here's how you can change the thing that you have problems with, or that you're concerned about, right. which makes sense from a business marketing standpoint. But so sa- feels shady. But it's honest. also it's also a way for you to find how to get your settings. Right. <laughs> if you can't find those privacy settings, pretend you're going to deactivate your account and say, "I have a privacy concern." It'll take you right there. <laughs> if you go on there and you say, "Well, let's see, uh, my account was hacked." Oh well, you can secure your account here. Right. Well, then click there, and all of a sudden, now you've secured your account with two-factor authentication and everything else. What if you actually wanted to delete your account? Now, remembering, deactivating your account allows it to be reactivated. Your stuff is never removed. It's always there. It's still available. It's still accessible. The reason why I don't want to do that is because I don't want to be tempted to come back. Mm. For me, it's an addiction. Okay, so back up everything. Right. So I want to delete, but I also want to have Messenger. Okay, we'll we'll talk about that. First of all, to delete your account, you click on Quick Help, and then you click on to... Let's see here. Homepage, timeline. They they make it obscure. Oh, it is very obscure. Help Center, up at the top right. See how obscure that is? (laughs) Now, here, there's no mention of deleting your account, but delete account. How do I permanently delete my account? So again, they give you some information, download a copy of your info, blah, blah, blah. And then if you would like your account permanently deleted with no option of recovery, log into your account and let us know. So when I click that, it says, okay, blah, 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 delete my account. You can follow the prompts and you will presumably delete your account. But remember, once posted to the internet, nothing is ever deleted. Nothing is ever gone. You cannot be guaranteed that it is gone because anyone, such as these advertising companies that have access to my data on Facebook somehow, Mm -hmm. I need to look at that and Mm -hmm. address that. Mm -hmm. They have a copy of my data. Okay? So remember that. Yeah. You asked about um, Messenger. Yeah. If you delete your Facebook account, you can still use Messenger. Okay. Now, remember, it is still a Facebook product. Right. Or a Facebook software. You are yeah. the product. I use it as a tool. So I'm not, I'm not as addicted to Messenger. Again, with Messenger, you just have to remember that your conversations, though private, are not private. Right. They are being recorded, and they are 
being stored on Facebook servers. And I'm okay with that in that I have very benign conversations sure. on Facebook yeah. or on Messenger, but it's I just don't... Being realistic about what this is. Right. I don't want... See, and this is the thing. I don't want to lose all content, all contact with the people who are important to me on mm-hmm. Facebook. I just don't want Facebook. But if I have Messenger, people can still have conversations with me. Like mm-hmm. I can still be... We have a group, group chat. I can still be part of the group chat if I don't have Facebook. Right. Now, with Messenger, if you do not have a Facebook account, you're going to need phone numbers. It's going to operate using phone numbers, and you're going to sign in using your phone number. If you deactivate your Facebook account and log into Messenger with your Facebook user and password, mm-hmm. it will reactivate your Facebook account. Oh, um, I don't have after deleting. Phone I've never deleted my account. So yeah. I don't know what would happen if I tried to log in to Messenger using my username and password or whether I'd still have access to my friends list. Mm-hmm. They say you don't. Um, I have seen posts that say, yeah, you would still have access to your friends mm-hmm. in that chat. But most definitely, as, as Facebook advertises, you can use Messenger exclusive of Facebook and log in using your phone number. Okay. And it will allow you to then connect yeah. with other people using their phone numbers because what's my other option if i don't have messenger i just use email is that email it? Is or a good like option, google hangouts yeah. i don't know yeah i suppose you could use <laughs> hangouts and yeah. and uh irc and discord and any but number of apps and people would say whatsapp and yeah you know, then i these... need to have those people that are on my messenger be okay with transferring mm-hmm. themselves over that's it Right, like, but I just, uh, I don't like how infiltrated it is now. Like, Facebook is part of me, and I don't love it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to set boundaries for yourself for sure, because it is, it can be an addictive platform because they've built it to be that. And it is. That's what they. That's how they've created it. Mm -hmm. They, you'll be scrolling your phone, and suddenly it'll jump to the top. Do you think that's an accident? As -hmm. frustrating as that is. No. No. Right. I don't, I don't. You may never, not have ever thought about that kind of stuff, but so my account will remain. Mm-hmm. Sasha wants to delete her account. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion now of Facebook? And if you are going to delete Facebook, hashtag delete Facebook, why? That's my question. Why? What's your reason behind wanting to delete Facebook? Yeah. I have to stay on Facebook because. I administer our Facebook pages. Unlike right. Tesla, I can't, I'm not going to delete our Facebook pages. We're too small for that. They're yeah. huge. Yeah. We're, we're too small. Uh, we, we need to be able to communicate with our community. If I was casual with Facebook, I would be okay with keeping it. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's become a thing for me, and I don't like that. I mm-hmm. won't quit coffee. Coffee will always <laughs> be a thing for me. But I don't need new addictions. So uh, Facebook's... Yeah. I, I was a late joiner to Facebook. I only okay. joined eight years ago. Like mm-hmm. I was a late joiner because it felt weird to begin with. And mm-hmm. then I got on it, and... ah. Would you be better to deactivate your account, and Mm -hmm. some people do this, um, where they just step away from Facebook for a month and just see how you fare. Not because I would encourage an addiction, but because you may find that it's today's communication in a lot of ways. It's also how, it's how I communicate with a lot of Mm -hmm. folks and keep up with my family and what they're up to because we're not all connected in, you know, physical, you know, getting together all the time. Right. And it's how I update other people about us. It's how I let people know what my kids are up to. And I know. 
but I do it anonymously to some degree. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I post, you'll notice if you follow my f- personal Facebook that everything is very generic. Yeah, I don't, I don't do a lot of. <laughs> I barely crazy... say kids' names and stuff. It's like my kids. <laughs> I know. I don't do a, like a, I don't do a lot of oversharing. I don't post yeah. anything that I wouldn't be okay with sharing with the world. Mm-hmm. It's just the. It just feels weird now, <laughs> to me. Feels weird now. Okay, so that's that's one. <laughs> you know why I'm staying. Why are you leaving or staying? Mm-hmm. Comment below. Let us know. We've got to take a really quick break. When we come back, we've got the Raspberry Pi 3 Model B Plus we're going to be unboxing and taking a quick look at. Stick around. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners, and thank you for watching. All right, folks, this is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome back. We are going to take a quick look at the Raspberry Pi 3 B+. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got it right here on the desk. This is it. It arrived today from Canakit which is ordered from Amazon. You can get these at cat5.tv slash pi, and everything looks just like it normally would with a Raspberry Pi 3. But let's get in. You were saying you love unboxings. I love unboxings. Why do you love unboxings so much? Why does everyone love unboxings so much? Oh, this is taped on. Okay. Okay. Come on. So we've got heat sinks came on the outside of the package. So Canakit has included a heat sink for the CPU and the CoPro. And there is the box. It's like the world's tiniest computer, folks. You can use this as a home theater PC. I'm gonna brutalize this box. Normally I'm, I open them nice and cleanly so that I can put them on display. But no, not this time, folks. I'm too excited. Too excited. There it is. There is the Raspberry Pi 3 Model B Plus. So we just paused to fix the audio. The processor has better heat dissipation, which means uh, we're going to be able to overclock this, get a little more speed, even though it is clocked already at 1.4. We're going to be able to potentially overclock this board. The Raspberry Pi 3 was uh, a little disappointing in that regard. Uh, now, it's also got improved Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi has been, uh, has been in- improved exponentially. It's now BGNAC, and it's uh, 2.4 gigahertz or um, 5 gigahertz, which means we presumably should be able to get better speed off of the Wi-Fi and better connectivity. I'm really hoping that we're going to see less packet loss. Um, if you bought a Raspberry Pi 3 Model B, um, the first Raspberry Pi 3, mm-hmm. you'll notice that it does have some slowness issues on the Wi-Fi. And uh, and so, you know, if you're watching YouTube, you've got to turn down the quality settings and this kind of thing. This fixes that. Yeah. Well, that's the hope. I mean, it's going to be faster and uh, better Wi-Fi. And it's got a better antenna as well. Uh, muchly improved. 
Ethernet is also improved. It is a gigabit Ethernet is what they boast, but unfortunately it's connected via the uh, USB 2. And because of that, it, even though it is gigabit Ethernet, it actually is only going to give you about 300 megabits per second, which is uh, very disappointing, I'll say. But at the same time, even though it's disappointing because they're advertising and marketing it as a gigabit Ethernet, it's still 297% better speeds than the Raspberry Pi 3, which is one step down. And this is about the same price. Right. So it's still a lot faster, but it doesn't come anywhere close to the XU4 from Odroid, for example. So beyond that, the form factor has not changed whatsoever. Everything looks exactly the same. The processor, as I mentioned, is faster, about 19% faster. The memory is also 20% faster. Um, so we're going to get a pretty good performance boost off of this board altogether. Um, and uh, surprisingly, uh, and maybe this is because of the better heat dissipation on the CPU, but it is actually going to run about 4% cooler than, um, than a Raspberry Pi 3. Perfect. But it uses more power. Oh. Mm -hmm. And uh, quite a bit more, like 38%. Now, these use very little power anyways, but a 38% power usage increase is kind of substantial, especially if you've got a bunch of these running. Mm -hmm. So let's compare real quick what these look like. Now, in the bag, there's also a power supply. The B Plus requires 2.5 amp as opposed to 2.4, which is what you want on your Raspberry Pi 3. Uh, so your Raspberry Pi 3 power supply uh, may not work with the Raspberry Pi 3 B Plus because it's 0.1 amps too low. Now, I'm just ripping apart my case here. I do like these cases because they're easy to pull apart. Mm -hmm. Easy to get the pie out. Let's see. I, I say that. I say it's easy. <laughs> and then the struggle. There we go. And then the struggle. There we go. So there's the Pi 3 and the Pi 3 B+, okay. model B+. So they're pretty much identical as far as form factor goes. Uh, they really are. I mean, they mm -hmm. are identical that way. Um, and the B+, so here's the B+. I'll put this right back in the case that I just took the B out of and should have absolutely no trouble um, putting this in the same case. They're, they're exactly the same as far as... That's perfect. Yeah, so you're not going to have to mess around with that. So there you have it. That's just a quick unboxing and quick look at the Raspberry Pi 3 Model B+. I am excited about some of you know the speed increase especially mm -hmm. the ram being faster because the ram on the raspberry pi has been notoriously slow ethernet is faster although disappointingly slow for gigabit but uh, we'll see over the course of the next little while as we do some benchmarks how it's actually going to perform in real world environments we shall see mm -hmm. have you got your raspberry pi 3 model b plus comment below let us know how you're digging it so far and how it's running your stuff especially if you've already used things on Raspberry Pi 3. I'd love to know if, uh, if it works better on the Raspberry Pi 3 Plus. Mm -hmm. So are you ready to head over to the newsroom? And, I uh, am. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category5.tv newsroom. SpaceX and Tesla have deleted their Facebook pages. Intel has announced it's discontinuing the Intel Graphics Update Tool for Linux. 
Watch what you what you say when using Microsoft products. The new company, the company's new service agreement, says that it can punish you for using offensive language. A GTX 1070 is the recommended card for VR with the new HTC Vive Pro. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Weston, yeah, man. you're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. well, I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. SpaceX and Tesla have deleted their Facebook pages. SpaceX and Tesla CEO Elon Musk has deleted the company's Facebook pages, joining some now-former Facebook users in their protest of the social media giant's corporate behavior. The move comes a week after revelations that Cambridge Analytica, a British data firm that contracted with the Donald Trump presidential campaign, retained private data from 50 million Facebook users despite claiming to have deleted it. New reports on Cambridge Analytica has spurred massive public outcry from users and politicians, with even CEO Mark Zuckerberg calling it a breach of trust. At least two lawsuits have been filed as a result. According to the comments from Zuckerberg, this new hashtag delete Facebook campaign does not appear to have any substantive impact on the platform's bottom line. He told the New York Times, I don't think we've seen a meaningful number of people act on that, but, you know, it's not good. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, Mark you Zuckerberg. Know. <laughs> you know, I don't know, really, how not good it is, mm. to be honest. I mean, I... Like... For private data that Analytica collected, is yes. it just my stuff or is it this public is posts thing. and private things? Well, or? We're going back to the original Facebook API 1.0 and with that API, companies like Cambridge Analytica were able to aggregate not only your personal posts and your personal data, your contact information, your, your likes, your dislikes, your private conversations, your, your public conversations, your photos, your videos, everything. But also, if I installed the app that was using their software right. on my profile mm -hmm. and gave that checkbox, which was literally just a approve to install back mm -hmm. with version 1.0. So remember back then, 2014, it didn't list all the things that it was going no. to do, and it didn't allow you to opt out of giving them my personal information and my home phone number and all this. It didn't let you opt out of those things. It was just, I want to install an app. I have to accept. So they would sell, you know, presumably, you know, let's get my software into a game, and that game now gets installed on all these people's Facebook platform mm -hmm. uh, profiles, and they've authorized me to install because they want that game. Right. Say that's the example. Here's the thing. With that version of the API from Facebook, 
they not only had access to my profile, as I mentioned, but also the profiles and personal, private, confidential data, Mm -hmm. the private data of all of my friends. They don't have to authorize it. Because I authorized it, I've... By, I've, by association by proxy yeah. given permission that they can now access my friends profiles as well that's not okay not okay and so that there was an uproar back then in you know 2015 2016 and the, and version 2.0 came out and they said you know we, we've heard your your uproar we've heard your cry for more privacy settings and so we've launched version 2.0 of the api and deprecated 1.0 okay too but, little too late. The data was already collected. It right. was already aggregated. And they didn't tell us that then. If you read the fine print, yes. it was there. Well, yeah. Who does that? Exactly. How many people have read the, the full terms of use every time it changes? So Mark Zuckerberg thinks that it's bad. It's like Well, not it's good. like totally not good. It's like not good. Yeah. He didn't say bad, but, but it's, it's like not, not going to hurt his right. bottom line, yeah. Yeah, but still, I support anybody that would want to delete their Facebook because of this. Yes, in I can understand that, but who uses Facebook and doesn't already understand that their data is the 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 product that is being sold? Because right. we're not the customers of Facebook; we are the product of Facebook. True. As users. Yeah. Right. So um, that data. So it's really my responsibility as a Facebook user to only post things that I don't mind third parties having access to. But you know what? It's not even my things. Like, to be honest with you, it's the fact that I, like, if, if I agree to something, I, yes. I create havoc for my friends. Back they in can, 2014, right. yes. So that's icky. Like, that's, Absolutely. you know, mm-hmm. I don't like that because there are people who do their best to be private. Mm-hmm. And then if and then they friended friend and here's some a- willy-nilly approver... Right. But here's the other side to that. So thinking back, you know, now things are firmer now and they're going to get even firmer now that this has come to light. Like they're really, oh, we've got to change things. But back then, companies would create profiles that look like your friends. Right. They'd grab a, so they'd find a picture of your husband. Right. And, you know, maybe that's a little too Mm -hmm. close to home, but, and they would friend you on Facebook. Right. They'd find, you know, uh, your church directory and get all the pictures and, and create a directory of, okay, now, the, okay, here's some connections, right? Right. Or company websites and get connections and then friend you. So now I've friended you. You are friends with all the legitimate people. And now through this exploit in the API, because I'm your friend, now I authorize right. Analytica to access my friends. Right. And because you friended me, you have vicariously and completely unknowingly it's released all of yours and your friend's data. data. How dirty Messy. is that? Yeah. Oh, creepy. Mm-hmm. Intel has announced it is discontinuing the Intel graphics update tool for Linux, but it may not be what you think. The tool, which was known as Intel Graphics Installer for Linux for a while, was created in 2013 to give Linux users a reliable way to upgrade their latest stable firmware, driver, and other components for Intel graphics chips. 
Owners of newer Intel hardware often had to use the tool in order to get the most from their GPU when using Linux. Ubuntu and Fedora were the officially supported distros the tool targeted, but users of related distributions, including Linux Mint, have made use of it too. At a glance, headlines like that make it sound as if Intel is pulling support for Linux, when in fact, it's quite the opposite. Now Intel's open source technology group says the tool is obsolete. So why are they deprecating the software that makes it, it easy to upgrade to the drivers? Well, it's all thanks to faster inclusion of newer Intel graphics that support the graph Intel graphics support that is directly within modern Linux distribution repositories. There isn't a need for a new release because Ubuntu 17.10 and Fedora 27 both include support for the latest Intel graphics out of the box, and it appears as though both distros will be keeping pace with the stack going forward. So, with no real purpose, the update tool is simply being retired. Hmm, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it shows the power of a repository in that now, if it's already pre-set up on your distro right. on Linux, so you don't have to install the drivers manually, if you will. Right. But as the new versions come out, they're going to automatically update as well. Right. So it's just, it's just being phased out. It's just... It's not needed anymore. That's great. But isn't it funny how the headlines will say, oh, well, Intel is pulling support for Linux drivers. Right. It's weird. That's the headline. Yeah. And let's look between the lines here. It's no longer needed, folks. Linux has gotten to the point where we don't need to figure out how to install our drivers. It just, just does it for us. It just happens. I love that when I fire up a Linux computer for the first time mm -hmm. and I connect my Wi-Fi, it says, oh, you've got a wireless printer. Would you like to add it? Yep. Done. Would you like to print a test page? Yep. Done. Didn't have to install anything. Didn't have to touch anything. Right. Just said yes. It just knows. Just, yeah, install my printer. Sure, yeah, I want my graphics drivers. Yeah, make it happen. Get so, her done. Linux is amazing. And incidentally, when it does update, I can choose when to update. Right. And I don't have to reboot when That's I do. That's a huge thing. <laughs> Updating without needing to reboot is I'm a I'm not pointing big any deal. fingers. Windows users. That's a big deal. It's a time saver. It really is when you can control when the updates happen and you don't have to be offline for five hours while it happens. Right. If it's like an anniversary update. Yeah. What could I be referring to? <laughs> I don't know. Well... <laughs> Speaking of Microsoft. Oh, Microsoft. Watch what you say while using Microsoft products. The company's new service agreement says that it can punish you for using offensive language. This will apply to Microsoft services such as Xbox Live, Skype, OneDrive, and others in a document summarizing the upcoming changes, which goes into effect May 1st. Microsoft says in the Code of Conduct section, we've clarified that the use of offensive language and fraudulent activity is prohibited. Punishments can include account suspensions and Microsoft booting you off of its products. The, the software giant also warns when, you, when investigating alleged violations of these terms, Microsoft reserves the right to review your content in order to resolve the issue. In other words, the company can search through your accounts for any evidence of the violations. So far, Microsoft hasn't publicly commented 
over concerns the policy might be too heavy-handed. A ban on offensive language will probably have the biggest impact, impact on Xbox Live, where the gamers are known to troll each other. Microsoft doesn't define what offensive language is according to the new policy. However, the company's code of conduct is designed to prohibit a whole range of problematic activities including spam, transmitting malware, online harassment, child exploitation, and anything illegal. The company's most severe punishments are probably reserved for the worst offenders. Speaking of companies so, that are kind of monitoring your data... Getting right on in there. Have you ever used Cortana... And now they want to ban swearing? <laughs> Come okay. on. So they it's don't a product even, feature. They don't even say what it is that offensive language is. Now, yeah, well. I'm not saying that I am an offensive language user strongly <laughs> by any means. Okay, but... If you're a Windows user or a Cortana user, you're probably an offensive language user. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. Okay, so We they talked can, about updates there. <laughs> can they just change what offensive language is if they want to see your stuff? Well, I suppose. Right. But they already have access to your stuff. Right. But if they want to just make it a legal door to get through where they just... But right. they already have a legal do? door. Oh. Windows 10. So, oh, oh, right. You accepted the terms of... Right, uh, the terms and conditions. The terms of, and conditions, which say mm. clearly that uh, they are allowed to... See all of your things. everything that you are doing. Yeah. Ugh. Uh-huh. Icky. Pretty sure we covered that before. Yeah, we did. It's yeah. gross. I've obviously blocked it out because it's disgusting. Anyway... <laughs> My um, wife and I sometimes, I mean, and I think a lot of folks have probably checked out some of the VR videos. And, and you know, it's a lot of fun when you see, like, some of the crazy stuff that goes on in, in virtual chats and stuff. And, and people post them on YouTube. And it's probably not always kid-friendly and it's not always appropriate. But, you know, it's good for a laugh sometimes when it's not overly offensive. Mm-hmm. But So, you know, are these kinds of things going to be... Bad. an issue i don't know I, I it's hard to say because i think that they are just going to outline it clear as day so that nobody can rebuttal it <sighs> and then implement it implement but- that power in event that something needs to be addressed like like we we but- we know what's happened on youtube lately and and things that need to be addressed. Right, so there, they're, they're there putting are it in things, black and white. Right, exactly. And saying, these kinds of things, we have the power to combat, and then let's see what happens. Exactly. So, I mean, there's some really good things that you can really... Uh, like, this tool would be good to stop things like cyberbullying. It would be good against, Certainly, you know, yeah. child exploit- exploitation mm-hmm. and and things like that. But I just feel like it's so vague in just, like offensive language like it's but is purposefully that on purpose? yeah, yeah it's, that's my that's what i'm wondering is it I, on purpose so that we've blanketed this rule that's so vague but so firm mm-hmm. that we now have the power to look through all your stuff if we suspect that you have been doing right. these things so then it comes into well what if they're suspecting things like terrorism plans or something like that or or an attack of some sort mm-hmm. you know kids talking in their vr chat about you know i'm gonna do this or that to so and so and so now all of a sudden microsoft has the power to boot you off of all of his products and of course they already have the power to report it to the authorities that's part of windows 10 as well right 
So it's actually very powerful. But, but when you think about it, because so many people, it's so have, hard to fathom too. Right? Like I've been bad, and now I have no Microsoft access. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been grounded. Talk about Big Brother. This is Mama. Mom, you've been swearing on Xbox Live. You're you, banned for you're, a week. <laughs> right, and that's the thing. Is it a lifelong ban? Is it a is it Who a knows, conditional eh? ban? How do you unban yourself after using offensive language? Do you apologize? How do you apologize? <laughs> what you just switch to Linux. Uh, it, it is hard to get our <laughs> yeah. It's hard, hard to get yeah because Linux lets you swear. <laughs> Um, it, it's hard to get your head around because of the fact that we're so conditioned by our human thinking in that we think about Microsoft monitoring what we say and do and think in mm-hmm. terms of humans monitoring what we say and do. But we have to realize now we have AI and machine learning. These are right. new things that we've not encountered in the past. So mm-hmm. suddenly um, these there's so much more that can be done in such a small amount of time. Right. And, and connections that can be made. Exactly. Mm. Forgive um, technology, but the teleprompter that we use has just gone dead. So Sasha's going to be looking at her laptop computer for the next and final story. Um, Because VR is so demanding, hardware makers have issued recommended or VR-ready guidelines to help customers understand what kind of hardware they need for a good VR experience. For the most part, the VR industry's biggest players have agreed on the key parts of that recommended hardware. With the introduction of the new Vive Pro, HTC is now suggesting more powerful GTX 1070 as its recommended spec for the Vive Pro, differing from GTX 1060 suggested for use with other major headsets. Among other improvements, the Vive Pro brings a screen with 78% more pixels than the original Vive, 14.40 by 1600 versus 1080 by 1200 per eye, which means that for the same scene, a GPU powering the Vive Pro will need to do a non-trivial amount of extra work to draw all the pixels at the 90 frames per second target frame rate. Dropping below that target can cause visual artifacts and discomfort. While HTC's official Vive Pro page had initially listed the same recommended GPU as the original Vive, the GTX 1060, for use with the Vive Pro, today the company updated the page to recommend NVIDIA's GTX 1070 Quadro P5000 or AMD's Radeon Vega 56. HTC tells Road to VR that the change was based on NVIDIA's testing. While the GTX 1070 or equivalent is now part of the recommended spec, a new minimum spec is listed, which still includes the the GTX 1060. Additionally, the Vive Pro's minimum spec differs from the original Vive's recommended spec by requiring a USB 3.0 port instead of a 2.0 and dropping HDMI connectivity, now requiring DisplayPort 1.2 or newer. The Vive Pro minimum spec also no longer lists Windows 7, instead now showing Windows 8.1 or Windows 10. It's not yet clear if that means that the Vive Pro simply won't work with Windows 10 or if HTC just advises against it. Windows 7. Oh, Windows 7, sorry. I correct. 
pardon. While SteamVR's new auto-resolution function means that SteamVR content should automatically adapt to the Vive Pro's increased rendering demand and allow the GPU to maintain frame rate, it may come at the expense of reducing the rendering resolution when the headset is used in conjunction with a GTX 1060 class GPU. The move from GTX 1060 to 1070 as the headset's recommended spec isn't a small change for consumers as current prices on the 1070, which is currently $625 US, are roughly twice as expensive as the 1060 at $325. This change could be the start of a trend of fragmentation among the VR-ready and recommended VR specs, which has been relatively consistent among leading VR companies to date, though we do hope that HTC and others will take steps to avoid customer confusion. Just goes to show how Bitcoin mining and Monero mining and Turtle Coin mining has affected Everything. the market. Exactly. And if you're not catching my connection there, you just mentioned that the 1070 cards are 600 and some odd dollars Solid. plus USD. Now, exactly. you built at cat5.tv slash CPU 2017, you built a, a beautiful gaming rig with a 1070 overclock card with 8 gigs on board. Right, and just was, in time. And it was like 549 yeah. Canadian. Right. Canadian. So because people are buying up all these cards because they're using them to mine cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. the price is going up and up and up. They're becoming more rare. They're hard to get yeah. uh, at a good price. Just in time I got that card. Yes. Yeah. And I am envious because I want to add it to my mining rig. Right, and I've got it. <laughs> I gotta pay okay. six hundred U.S. So I'm okay, obviously, for my VR headset. Like I'm okay. Yes, right. Go get one. Exactly, but the thing is, it's confusing, right? Is there a way that consumers would like? How do they know between recommended and well, okay? Optimum? Well, like recommended versus minimum, right? Would be kind of the key point. So when you're looking at minimum system requirements to do something you have to imagine that the manufacturer says it'll work it's not going to be optimal okay Mm -hmm. recommended means it's gonna be awesome right right so if you've got a 1060 and they're saying that's the minimum yes it will work you don't have to rush out and buy a 1070 right away but but you should know that you're probably not going to get the right frame rates. It's not going to be quite as good as it would be on a 1080, on a 1070 or 1080. Right. Right. So it's just, you always feel, and I feel like this with smartphones and that this is happening now with this as Mm -hmm. well. Is there next going to be something, like should I already be just chomping at the bit for the next thing? We well, gotta get be- your headset first, right? Because right now the brand new Vive Pro is compatible. Your system is uh, with a 1070 GTX is like the ideal system right. for this VR, and it's the best virtual reality experience that you can get right now. Right. So you don't have to upgrade anything; it's ready. I just get the headset. You just get it. the headset. Now, if you wait another two years, obviously your hardware is going to become the minimum so yeah, at just, that point. Okay, so if you buy it at the same level, then it just ages at the same level. Like, you're not going to be... Yeah, yeah. Ish? 
Yeah. Okay, I get. I have to get myself a headset now. You just got to get the VR headset. I can do that. Start um, saving. Christmas is coming. How much is that? <laughs> <laughs> They're like eight hundred bucks or something. Hmm. I think Canadian. I'm not too sure. Hmm. Well, but it um, it's necessary. <laughs> <laughs> she just said an HTC Vive Pro is necessary. Yep. The end. Okay. Best comment ever. Get the t-shirts. Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category 5.TV newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category 5.TV newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. Thank you, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm Robbie Ferguson, and it has been a blast having you here. Uh, hope that you've enjoyed yourself this week. Next week, we're going to actually be comparing the Raspberry Pi 2, 3, and 3B Plus. Get a little look at how the performance differs between those three devices. That is going to be awesome. Uh, and I hope you have a wonderful week. We'll see you the same time next week. See ya.